I'm gonna start kind of very unusual today, or not very unusual. I'm just gonna flip things around a little bit. Usually uh, in sermons, sermons end the way I'm gonna start. And so we're just gonna flip things around a little bit today. Um, I believe, I believe that um, without the infilling of the Spirit of God, I told you I'm coming right at you, um, you, you do not belong to Christ. It's kind of hard to just, <laughs> my first words out of my mouth, a double barrel shotgun, you know, coming right at you. Um, but I told you, we'll get around, we'll flip it back around, but, but I do believe that. I believe that without the infilling of the Spirit of God that you do not belong to Christ. In other words, when I talk about the infilling uh, of the Spirit of God, I'm talking about, guys, I'm talking about a salvation issue here. I'm talking about a heaven or hell issue here. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 9, it couldn't put it any more clear. It says, now if any man, everybody say any man. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, what does it say? That's not my words, that's, that's his words. Um, that's God's words, um, he is none of his. So the infilling of the Spirit of God is, is of, of utmost importance. Uh, some of you, especially if you're a guest here today, you're probably thinking, geez, pastor, uh, get to the point, will you? Um, I, I just you know, kind of came to listen to some good music and take a nap while you talk, but, um, but, but you're getting right to the point. So if you're gonna do that, you're gonna be so blunt, and, and this infilling is so important, how do I get filled? How do I get filled with the Spirit of, of the Lord? Well, you've gotta come next Sunday for that. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I'm not gonna dive deep into this at all, um, but uh, just to get you started, in order, listen to me very closely, in order to be saved, you must believe in the Savior. In order to be saved, you gotta believe in the Savior. And that's Jesus Christ. You must have faith that what Jesus did on that cross over 2,000 years ago was for you today. And, and, and then live your life like, like you believe it, like you really believe it. Listen, you can say all that you want that you believe, but if your actions don't align with what Jesus has told us to do and what his commands are and how he lived, well, then you're, you're I'm sorry, but you're not filled. If you're not producing anything that looks like Jesus, well, then you're not filled with his spirit. Let's look at Galatians chapter five, verses 19 and 21. Most pastors, most preachers, We'll talk about verse 22, won't they, and 23. But I want to read to you what the verses are just before 22 and 23 because not too many pastors or speakers talk about that. It's awesome. <laughs> it says, now the works of the flesh, how <laughs> I many of can tell that's not gonna be awesome. Um, now the works of the flesh are manifest. They're brought forth in us and out of our flesh, which are these, adultery, and first of all, when you hear the word adultery, the first thing that comes to your mind is infidelity. But I, I looked up some cinnamon, cinnamons. <laughs> I'm a little hungry. Synonyms, is that right? Yes. Okay, just sometimes you get it all kind of messed up. Why don't you say it wrong? But anyway, those other things um, are, are disloyal. Adultery can mean, it can mean, Listen, falseness, it can mean betrayal. It can be treachery. 
It can mean deceitfulness. It can mean, listen to this, faithlessness. Some of the other works of the flesh, fornication. Um, uh, uncleanness means sinful, lasciviousness. That's being carnal, idolatry. That's like worshiping something and putting something higher in your life than God. And I don't care what that is. It could be your children. It could be your, the money. It could be a job. It could be a career. It could be a house, a car. It could be your boat. It could be anything that you put before Jesus. Idolatry, it goes on, witchcraft, hatred, variance. That's just being, always being disagreeable. You're always disagreeing with everything. Emulations, that's mocking, wrath. That's, you never know what that is. You know what that is, a rage, it's anger. Strife, seditions, that's, that's agitations and, and heresies. That's sacrilege, that's being profane all the time. Endings, listen to some of the, the, the other meanings of this. That's a good way to say it. Uh, it, it, jealousy, endings, greed, bitterness, spite, resentment. Goes on to say murderers. It goes on to say drunkenness. It says revelings. That's like I'm partying all the time, whatever. There's no serious bone in your body. And such like it says. Of the which I want you to pay close attention. I tell you before as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. How many just want to thank God for his grace right now? But listen to me. His grace is not a permit. It's not a license to go out and do this garbage it's not like, oh, well, you know, I just know he's gonna forgive me, so I'll just go do it. That's not what this is about. If you're thinking that, scripture couldn't be more clear. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we get to the good part, right? This is 22 and 23, but in contrast, the Bible says that if you have the spirit of Jesus in you, how many have the spirit of Jesus in you today? If you have the spirit of Jesus in you, you will bear fruit. You're gonna reflect what's inside of you. It's just gonna come out. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, but the spirit, but, 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 but the fruit of the spirit is love. It's joy. It's just, it's, it's not something you gotta work up. It's just, it's, come, it's something that's produced because of what's inside of you. You couldn't produce joy if you wanted to. Not the kind of joy I'm talking about. It's the fruit of the spirit that comes out of you, peace and long suffering. What does long suffering mean? Forgiving, patience, gentleness, goodness and faith, uh, uh, meekness, uh, humbleness. Uh, temperance, that's self-control and soberness. This infilling of the spirit, you may not, you, you, you may not be able to see it with your, with your naked eye. You may not be able to grab hold of it, but it produces itself like this with joy. Listen, if, you, if you've got the spirit in you, I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, I ain't perfect. Go ahead. But I'm forgiven. The grace of God, guys, 
is to me is just so overwhelming. It is so overwhelming. I'm telling you, listen, I, I know how rotten my flesh is, how rotten I am, but I'm so grateful that he's forgiven me. I'm so grateful. If you're grateful for, for his forgiveness, just let's just give him a hand clap all across this building here today. Listen, God, God has so many reasons to, to be against me because of my sin. He's got so many reasons, but because of what Jesus did on that cross, we know that he is for us. Yes. He's for us. The grace of God is so unbelievably good. By his grace, we're saved. By his grace, that we're healed. By his grace, that we are free. And then we could just go on and on and on by his grace. But today, I'm going to flip, I'm going to flip the script a little bit, okay? Because we are so used to just like soaking in, like just soaking in that grace. I mean, we're just so used to like taking it in like a sponge, just all the time taking and receiving and receiving and receiving. But you know what? I want, to look, I want us to look at the importance. Listen to me very closely. This is where we're flipping it all around. I want us to look at us. Everybody say us. us. Offering grace. That's what I want to talk about today. Us offering grace. The Bible says that God didn't just intend for you to receive it and just continue to soak it in like a sponge, but, but he wants you to pass it on. He, I, I, man, if you've been blessed by God, he wants you to bless others. Right, right. If, if you've been cared for by God, he wants you to care for others. If you've been forgiven by God, he wants you to forgive others. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 10, he says, give as freely as you have received. How many had to pay for your forgiveness? Whatever you've been given by God, you are to offer to others today. I want us to, to think in particular about forgiveness because, listen, guys, we've received that. I know I have. We've received that more than we've received anything else. But how in the world do we give forgiveness to other people. And that's what I want to look at today. There's a lot of, I'm going to call it shoddy thinking about forgiveness, a lot of misconceptions, and often people water forgiveness down. They, they cheapen it and they water it down. In fact, in our society, we see an epidemic of this. It's, it's cheap grace. It's cheap. And it's making forgiveness apply to just anything and everything. And so much so that forgiveness ends up meaning nothing at all. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm talking about. I don't know if you're, but it's almost as if we're afraid that somebody else might feel guilty for one second for what they've done. So we just go around forgiving everybody. Oh, you're forgiven. Today, I want us to look at the question, what is real forgiveness? And I'm going to start off today by, um, if you guys, if they can make sure that they have paper and pencil, we're going to be taking a test here right now. I'm totally joking. Um, but I do want to ask a few questions, and I promise you we're not going to embarrass anybody. It's just I want you to answer them in your own head. That's all. I'm going to run through about five of them, and you answer them in your own head. The first one is a person should not be forgiven until he asks for it, true or false, just in your own head. 
not until they ask for it. Number two is forgiveness includes minimizing the offense and minimizing the pain. Like, it's okay, everything's good. Third one is forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship, true or false. Fourth one is you haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense, true or false. And finally, when I see someone else hurt, it's my duty to forgive the offender, true or false. I'll let you kind of think through that just for a second. If you were to read through the Gospels and read what Jesus said about forgiveness, you would come to the same conclusion that I have and that all five of these statements are false. Before we look at what forgiveness is, I think we should maybe take a look at what it's not. The first one that I want to talk about is forgiveness is not conditional. It's not conditional. In fact, the Bible says it's the exact opposite. God says that real forgiveness, genuine forgiveness, is not something that you earn. It's not something that you deserve. It's not something that you buy or bargain for. It's not something that you get if you promise to never do it again. I promise God I'll never do that again. Listen, it is unconditional. Unconditional. When you tell a a person uh, I'll forgive you if. No, that's not forgiveness. That, that's bargaining, if you will. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. <laughs> At that point, nobody had asked for forgiveness. Certainly nobody deserved it. It was an unconditional offer of pardon. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Genuine forgiveness is unconditional. The other thing that it's not is it's not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not like saying, ah, it's no big deal. It's, really, don't worry about it. It didn't, it didn't hurt me anyway. And the truth is, if it's worth forgiving, it did hurt you. It, it did cause you pain. Forgiveness is saying, yes, it did hurt. Yeah, yeah, it did cause pain in my life. But I'm gonna let, you, let it go. I'm not gonna hold on to it anymore. Also, we need to, to understand that there's a big difference between being wronged and being wounded. Wounds are, listen to me, unintentional. It's an accident. Wrongs, are intentional. We get wounded all the time, don't we? Accidentally, it's like you know, people say things that hurt us or do things that hurt us, and, and they didn't mean to. And th- those those don't require forgiveness, guys. I mean, goodness, you know, just realize or, or recognize that we're all imperfect people. People are going to hurt you many times, unintentionally. Forgiveness, listen, needs to be reserved for the big stuff. For, for, for the serious things, for the things that are intentionally hurtful, uh, things that people who mean to set, they set out to hurt you. And when you minimize a wrong, not a wound, but when you minimize a wrong and say, ah, no big deal, that cheapens forgiveness. No, 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 that hurt me, but I forgive you. Another thing that it's not is it's not resuming a relationship without change. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. They're two different issues, 
all together, guys. Uh, forgiveness is not the same thing as rebuilding or restoring a relationship. Forgiveness, listen to me closely, is instant. It's instantaneous. But trust, that has to be built over time. There's a big difference between forgiving a person and trusting a person. Hear me. Forgiveness simply takes care of the damage. It's letting the person off the hook, so to speak. But it doesn't guarantee that that future relationship is gonna just go right. That's different. If you want a restored relationship, first comes forgiveness, for sure. That's your part. But, but on their part, it takes repentance. It takes demonstrating a genuine, I'm sorry, like genuinely. It takes restitution if possible. It, it, it takes rebuilding trust, and trust takes time. For instance, if you've been in an abusive relationship with an alcoholic spouse and they, they really hurt you over and over and over again, and, and that spouse comes home and says, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And, and, and you should instantly say, yes, I, I forgive you. You're forgiven. Because God commands you to forgive. Forgiveness is instant. But if they say, can I come back into the house? That's a different story. You say, that, that, that's that different issue altogether. I need to know that you've changed. I, I need to know that you, you, you need to, to get some counseling. You, you, you need to develop a, a track record with me again to show me there's genuine change here. So, so while forgiveness is based on grace, trust is earned, guys. Big difference there. You are called by God to repeatedly forgive them over and over again, but not to instantly trust them like everything will just be fine. Another thing that it's not is forgetting what happened. You've heard the old cliche, it's forgive and forget, forgive and forget. And that's so sweet. That's nice. <laughs> There's only one problem. <laughs> you can't do it. It doesn't work. It's impossible for you to forget everything that's happened. In fact, the more painful something is, the less likely that you're going to forget it. Think about the logic of that. How, how, how do you forget something by trying to forget it. It's, uh, scientists have proven that you never really forget anything. It's, it's in your brain somewhere. You may not be able to recall it, but it's somewhere there. Something that's the ultimate Christian maturity. When, when am I so grown up in Christ that I forget about the painful experiences of life? And the truth is that you may never forget them. But the truth is, there may be something better than forgetting them. It kind of seems backwards, but a lot of things that Jesus does seems that way, doesn't it? It's better remembering them, but no longer feeling the pain anymore. It's better remembering them, but seeing how God worked in it anyway. It's better remembering them and seeing how God brought good out of bad. 
it's better remember how and seeing how you you grew in character and how it made you more sensitive to the hurts and needs of other people. It's and and how it changed your direction maybe at a crucial time in your life. Or or how uh, things that you you have today that you wouldn't even have if that hadn't happened. Yes, there's something far better than forgetting. It's realizing by the grace of God, like in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. Believe it or not, that's even better. Forgiveness is not my right. It's not my right when I wasn't the one who was hurt. Today, we're afraid someone, like I said before, um, Somewhere might feel guilty for a second. So many times we forgive, and it's not our right to forgive. We, we offer forgiveness for things that we didn't do to people, um, uh, to people that we don't even know. Really, guys, only the victim, listen to me closely, only the victim can pronounce forgiveness. In December of 97, a 14-year-old boy walked into a high school prayer meeting in Paducah, Kentucky and killed three teenage girls, shot them dead. The next morning, the next morning on that campus, their girls, uh, uh, the girls hadn't even been buried yet and, and some students had put together all these signs all across the campus telling the killer, we forgive you, Mike. Now, listen to me. I'm sure that those kids meant well in their hearts. I mean, I, they may have even thought that, that was the Christian thing to do, but it wasn't their right to forgive that boy. How about mom and dad? How about brother and sister, the loved ones of those that were deceased? Oh, you, I mean, if, if anybody could forgive anybody, guys, there'd be no reason for prisons. I mean, hey, Oh, you, you smashed Heath's car with a hammer? My neighbor's uh, car with a hammer? Ah, no problem, go ahead. Nope, he, he don't mind. He don't mind. You see, I, it's not mine to forgive. No, no, there's a, there's a penalty that has to be paid there. You, you smashed and you did that, there's a penalty paid. There's, there's still a fine. There's still uh, uh, repercussions of doing stuff like that. Uh, when a woman takes drugs all of her life and, and then gets pregnant and has a baby and that baby is addicted to crack cocaine, crack cocaine that the mother may say, oh, dear Jesus, please forgive me. And she's instantly forgiven. But that baby's still addicted. A person who leaves his, his, his wife or leaves her husband and children and has an affair and breaks up the marriage and then later comes back and says, God, please forgive me. I, I know that that was a stupid thing to do. I know that that was a selfish and a, a wrong thing to do. And they are forgiven by, the, by Jesus Christ. But that doesn't remove the scars that come you know, from, from breaking up a home, from scars on the children, scars on, the, on, on both spouses and, and all the loved ones that are impacted by that situation. There are still consequences Real forgiveness is not some cheap term that says you just throw out and instantly everybody feels better then. So what is forgiveness? The Bible says real forgiveness is remembering how much I've been forgiven. Remembering how much you've been forgiven. In Ephesians, how much, how, remember how much grace I've received from Christ. And in Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. 
You're not forgiven because you earned it, because you deserve it. It's not like that. You're forgiven because you've put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to tell you something here. Dial in just a little bit. Closing in. But if you don't, if you're here today and you don't feel forgiven, you, then you don't want to forgive others. Let that soak in just for a minute. The more forgiven you feel by God, the more forgiving you tend to be toward others. It's kind of like reconciliation time right now, just kind of thinking about that. One day this prostitute came to Jesus and in front of a bunch of religious leaders and she takes this valuable container of perfume and breaks it open over the feet of Jesus to wash his feet with this expensive perfume. And this just made no sense to the religious leaders. They were angry and thought, look at this woman of dishonor. Look, what he, look who he's with and what, he, what she's doing. And then said, you know, oh, she could have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor and so many better things. And Jesus rebuked the religious leaders and said, lighten up, man. He said, listen to me very closely. She has been forgiven for so much. She's been forgiven for much. So she's pouring out everything she's got. Listen, because she felt so graced by Jesus, she was being so gracious. For all of us, it starts with just remembering how much you've been forgiven. All of us have been forgiven for so much. Forgiveness is relinquishing my right to get even. Now I'm going to step on some toes, right? Romans 12, 19 says, never, everybody say never. Never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. You say, well, wait a minute. If I forgive them, that means I give up all my right to get even. I heard somebody say, that's right. That's exactly, that's exactly what forgiveness is. Giving up your right to get even. But that's unfair. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible doesn't say forgiveness is fair. Like I said, sometimes Jesus, when he talks to us, it's like the opposite of what you think. There's a word for fairness, and it's called justice. And justice is fair. Forgiveness is grace. Justice is fair. Forgiveness is grace. Listen, you don't deserve forgiveness. You deserve justice. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just give you everything you deserve? We always, <laughs> we always want justice for everybody else. 
It's like, give him the chair. I mean, we want it for everybody else, but we don't want it for us. If it's my family that did something wrong, oh gosh, please spare them. God is gracious to us and he wants you to be gracious to others. Forgiveness is responding to evil with good. Holy cow. Luke 6, do good to those who hate you. I, 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 that does not compute. Think of somebody that you might think in your life that could potentially hate you or that you hate. Oh, God. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for them. How can you tell when you've genuinely forgiven somebody? You can, here's how, you can genuinely pray for God to bless them. When you can actually pray, bless that person who hurt me. Listen close. When you can pray that, that's when you know you've forgiven You'll know forgiveness is complete in your heart at that time. When you've genuinely forgiven a person, you can look uh, past the ways that they've hurt you. Listen close. You can look past the ways that they've hurt you, and you can see how they are hurting. I've always said, and we've heard it before, hurt people. You'll know forgiveness is complete then. When you can pray for God to bless them, pray for God to do good. If you can do good to those that hate you, and you can bless those who, what do we want to do when somebody does something to us? It's like, oh man, I'm getting back at them. Okay, I see how you are. And that's the mentality that we have. But in this case, he's saying respond to evil with good. <clears throat> For you, that may feel so impossible because of what you're going through right now. Some of you, you're, you're hurting so bad. You're hearing this, you're listening to me, and, and you know, there's a facade, and there's things that are going on, and nobody may even know. You might be sitting next to the person who's, like, devastated right now. Inside, they're thinking to themselves, Pastor, you, you, don't, you have no clue how bad I'm hurt. And you may feel it's impossible. They hurt, they hurt you so bad. And I'm telling you something, it is impossible. You, you, you can't, you can't do it unless you do one thing. Unless you allow the spirit in filling, unless you allow the spirit of God in your life to come through. Unless you produce love. Unless you produce forgiveness, long-suffering. Unless you produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Listen to me. Only the love of God could cause you to do something like that. And finally today, forgiveness is repeating that process as long as necessary. How long do you have to keep forgiving a person? You do it as long as the feeling of revenge keeps coming back 
Peter asked the question to Jesus. He said, Lord, how, how often should I forgive somebody who sins against me? Seven times? Peter's real, really being kind here because he knows that the Jewish law said to forgive a person three times. And Jesus says, no, not quite. Make that 70 times seven. And what Jesus is saying here is, um, just keep forgiving them. For as long as it takes until you, until you, until you let it go. Until you let it go. Keep forgiving until the pain stops. Keep forgiving until the desire to get revenge goes away. You, you know what? You could pray today, all of you could pray today and forgive somebody in your heart right now who hurt you bad and on your way home today, the resentment all of a sudden smacks you right in the face again. And you, and you want to get revenge all over again. I'm just telling you, forgive them again. When the memory comes back, forgive them again and again and again and again. And, and keep doing it until the pain goes away. It may take some time because the memory keeps coming back. Repeat forgiveness until you know that you've released them. You've released them. Genuine forgiveness is never easy. Shall we stand together? If you could stand and I'm gonna ask for every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around out of the respect for your neighbor. Listen to me, I, I have no doubt that there are some here today. I really, I'm telling you, I have no doubt that there are some here today who have been, and I'm not talking about wounded, I'm talking about wronged. They've been wronged. And you're deeply, deeply hurt. And you're filled with resentment. And you're wondering right now, how am I gonna get, my, get on with my life? In fact, forget my life. How am I gonna take another step? And, and how in the world, why in the world would I ever offer grace to that person? And I'm here to tell you it's because God has been gracious to you. And not just gracious, I mean like gracious on a moment by moment basis. If you can't forgive, you need to pause for a minute and realize how much God has forgiven you. I'll tell you this, you will never listen to me close as your every head's bowed, eyes closed. You will never have to forgive anyone more than Jesus Christ has already forgiven you. Stop for a minute and consider God's grace to you. Another reason why is because the alternative is bitterness. Scientists tell us that the most unhealthy emotion there is in that there is is resentment. It always hurts you more than anybody else. And while you're stewing and fretting and thinking of retaliating and revenge and rehearsing the pain over and over again in your mind, they go on their merry way totally oblivious. They've already dropped it. And the Bible says in the book of Job, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. 
resentment allows that person in your past to continue to hurt you now and I just say doing this is just it's just dumb it's just dumb to do but we all do it the Bible says in Hebrews 12 be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives for if he does there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit which is not only bad in itself but listen very closely but can also poison the lives of many others it's not just you that's being hurt by this you see it's your kids that are getting hurt by it it's 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 your spouse that's getting hurt by it it's it's those people that the your loved ones guys let it go let it go and finally god expects you he expects you to forgive matthew 6:15 Jesus says, for if you forgive, and I want you to listen closely. These are Jesus's words. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now you can counteract that all you want. But that's his words, not mine. You'd have to argue with him, not me. I don't know how to make it any clearer than Jesus did there. Forgiveness is a two-way street. If you say, oh, I could, I could never forgive that person, then I hope you never sin. Because you're going to need forgiveness to get to heaven getting ready to dismiss but listen to me very closely you need Jesus Christ to show through in your life you need him to listen to me close you need him to fill you with his spirit like I spoke about in the beginning of this message fill you with love I mean fill you with joy a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Fill you with peace. Fill you with patience and forgiveness. Fill you with gentleness and goodness and faith and humbleness. To fill you with self-control. Yes, we need to be filled with his spirit to be saved, absolutely. But couldn't you use some love in your life today? I mean, couldn't you use, use some joy today? Today, I mean, like today. Now. Couldn't you use some peace in your life today? I'm not talking about in heaven. We're going to have that. I'm talking about now. Couldn't you use some patience today? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. <laughs> you most of all know how we've been hurt. You know the resentment has made me act in ways 
that are just counterproductive. And I need you, I need your power to release and to forgive the one who hurt me so I can stop letting them control me. Replace my hurt with your peace. Replace my hurt with your joy. The kind of joy that only Jesus can give. I know I've hurt people with my hangups myself. Forgive them. Forgive me, God, for the way that I've hurt other people. Release this bitterness. Release this resentment. Release this hurt. Thank you for your graciousness to me. Thank you for your for forgiving me. Thank you.